Hi, I'm Sam Germano, and welcome to the Uprooted Podcast, where we'll be uncovering the underlying meaning of health and what it means to us today. Let's sit down with the experts and trailblazers to understand the why and how, break down barriers, and blend our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Grab your headphones, turn the volume up, and let's uproot. Dr. Pina Lujudice is a naturopathic doctor who aims to inspire people around the world to create their best health. Hailed as a world expert in natural medicine by Dr. Oz, she has appeared over 26 times on The Dr. Oz Show and numerous times on other national media such as The Katie Couric Show and Fox News. Dr. Pina, as her patients call her, is co-founder and director of Inner Source Natural Health and Acupuncture, a thriving practice with clinics in New York City and Long Island. Dr. Lajudice was a pre-doctoral fellow at the National Institutes of Health in the Department of Clinical Neuroendocrinology, where she studied the basis of stress and the mind-body connection. Amongst many, many other accomplishments, she is a past board member, secretary, and vice president of the New York Association of Naturopathic Physicians. She regularly teaches conventional and functional medicine physicians about how to best apply natural medicine to achieve patient health. I myself am a huge fan of Dr. Pina and her work and have not only learned from her, but have been inspired by her approach to medicine and how she helps people navigate between conventional and functional practices. I am so happy she is the voice to shed light on this topic because I really feel like our society can feel lost sometimes in deciding which path of healing to take and what makes sense for them individually. Get ready to understand the differences between Eastern and Western medicine and become equipped with the tools and mindset to be your own healer. Dr. Pina, hello, and thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I've been wanting to have a conversation about this topic way before I even started this podcast, and that's primarily due to the fact that we're in an age right now where I think we're straddling Western or conventional medicine versus Eastern or holistic healing. And a lot of us are open to alternative practices, but at the same time, many of us stick to what we know, which are the medications or prescriptions. Of course, in certain cases, this route is absolutely necessary, but this made me want to explore how we can become more knowledgeable on the alternative route so we can ultimately become empowered to heal ourselves and not feel lost when navigating these two directions. You're hailed as a world expert in natural medicine by Dr. Oz, which is incredible, so I could not be more excited to have you shed some light on this topic. Let's start off by talking about your background and how you got to doing what you do today. Sure. And again, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about natural medicine. I love my profession. So more than happy to share. Um, Yeah, for me, um, growing up, I always thought I wanted to go to conventional medical school because I always thought I wanted to be a pediatrician, like just medicine really resonated with me. Um, But it wasn't until I was probably, I want to say maybe like eight or nine years old, I started to get a lot of digestive issues and just like basically what wind up being diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome. But my mother, you know, at the time, not having a diagnosis now, mind you, I'm an old lady, so this is going back <laughs> eons where IBS is now very commonplace, but back then they were still unsure about it. But my mother would bring me to doctor after doctor and they'd be like, well, this is just you. This is, you know, this is going to be your life. And, you know, thankfully I'm a bit of a stubborn Sicilian. And I'm just like, no, there's got to be another way. And it wasn't until I actually graduated college. So I suffered all those years with it. Um, that I was um, applying to medical school, to the regular, you know, medical programs. And my mom's like, you know what, you're a basket case. 
you, why don't you just go get a massage, just, you know, get yourself relaxed. So it was at that massage that it was my first encounter with someone who was intuitive and had, you know, can feel through their hands where my body stressors were because as she was massaging me, she's like, do you have this problem and that problem? I'm like, that's totally crazy. So she goes, oh, I have this um, like holistic doctor that you can go see and they could help you. So I'm like, so I'm like, this was foreign to me. I'm like, all right. So I go home. I tell my mother, I'm like, oh, you know, so crazy. This lady's massaging me, but she knew what was wrong with me. Um, not realizing that the body can speak, you know? Yeah. Um, so my mom's like, listen, I've taken you to everybody else under the sun. You know, why not try this other person? So I made an appointment with this, this fellow. And it was the first time that I sat with someone who spent you know, basically over an hour with me, they wanted to know what my stresses were, what I was eating, my, you know, my sleep habits, all these things. And so he made recommendations and I kid you not within two weeks, I was a different human being. Like I felt like I should have felt my whole life at that point. Um, So I felt amazing. So for me, then I was like a total switch in my brain. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is the type of medicine that I want to study. And that's where everything snowballed from there. Wow, that's awesome. And I have to say, there are so many stories of people in, in with the same situation as you where they were experiencing some sort of ailment, did the Western medicine route, realized it wasn't working for them, got exposed to alternative medicine, and then they made a career out of it, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I definitely think, you know, there's the you know, the, I, and I hear, and I see it all the time, you know, cause now I've been doing this for 16 years and, um, you know, there's, it's definitely, you know, when someone suffers with their health, that they, they definitely is a calling to raise their vibration and they're, you know, they're called to do something great because they understand, you know, suffering and compassion and compassion for other people and for themselves. Um, so I, I'm always thrilled, you know, that, you know, when someone, you know, because you hear it often in my profession, but not only, you know, with patients too, it's really when the body is out of balance, you know, the word disease, people think, okay, it's the word disease, but if you separate the words, it's dis-ease. And so you really have to figure out what's happening with you, whether, you know, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, that your body is uneasy with. And it's with that evolution and that discovery of like, oh, what is this that's out of balance in my life, that's when you really see the person blossom and really get to, you know, a great potential that they have. And I see that, you know, again, with fellow colleagues, as well as my patients, where you really see them transform and to be their best self. It's amazing to watch. That is amazing. So what exactly do you do now in your practice? And what are some areas that you specialize in? So um, as a naturopathic physician, you are trained as a primary care doctor. So there are different states that recognize that. Unfortunately, in the great state of New York, they don't recognize my degree. So, but let's say if I lived in Connecticut, um, I could function as your primary care doctor. So we could see you for anything from a common cold. Uh, We are trained in how to do like uh, blood draws and phlebotomy and gyne exams. And, you know, we're trained in all these different areas, but obviously using the focus of you know, natural therapeutics to support and heal the body rather than um, using medication. So even though we're trained um, in different uses of antibiotics and whatnot, 
you know, our primary focus is using natural therapies. But, you know, the great thing that I love about my profession, we really do see the line in terms of really what should be medicine rather than natural versus conventional. And I don't like using the word alternative because I'm like, it's the alternative to what? But, you know, when it comes to, you know, seeing a naturopathic doctor, we really do see you as a whole and figure out what is the best medicine for you. Because there are many times in my own practice where I'll say, you know, let's say someone has an autoimmune disease and the doctor wants to put them on an anti-inflammatory drug and they're hesitant. I'd be like, no, do it. Let's stop the cycle. Because then as you know, we change your diet and your stressors and whatnot, that's going to be a little bit slower, but let's, you know, get the inflammation down and get you out of harm's way um, and then support you. So there's so many things that we can do that really just toe that center line, which is mm. to me, fantastic. But, you know, for myself particular in my practice, who I see, I do a lot of women's health, hormonal imbalance. I do a lot of uh, children's health, pediatric work. I do a lot of autoimmune disease, digestive disease, um, you know, really the whole spectrum for women in terms of hormones from, you know, little girls before they're getting their period to menopausal women and them stopping their period. So mm-hmm. <laughs> everything in between. Um, usually what I like to see. I do a lot of infertility work, PCOS, like all those, all that stuff I really love to do. That's awesome. I want to rewind a bit and talk about the origin of Western and Eastern practices individually and how the two sort of merged or crossed paths in the world of medicine today. Now I'm going to, this is going to be my version because I'm not the best historian, but this is my <laughs> understanding of what you inspire. Here um, comes a history but- lesson. <laughs> You know, as much as it can be, someone's going to look it up and be like, she's so wrong. (laughs) You know, with obviously with Eastern medicine, you know, you know, uh, Ayurvedic medicine or traditional Chinese medicine has been around for centuries. So that has been, you know, very commonly used in Asian cultures since the beginning of time. You know, with regards to here um, in the United States, that's and also in Europe, that's where you'll see more homeopathy and botanical medicine. So really when that group of people came from Europe, really the foundations, my understanding in the United States were, were based in uh, herbal medicine and homeopathy. Now, granted, I am of the opinion that since the beginning of time, Mother Nature gave us loads of plants and things to help us heal ourselves because obviously people, the human race existed up until the invention of antibiotics. So they used all natural therapies, right? Yeah. As us as a human being, uh, you know, as a collective civilization, we still continued on even without antibiotics. But that being said, um, you know, it was with the advent of antibiotics that that's also when the American Medical Association started. And that was my understanding that really the first medical schools in the United States were homeopathic medical schools. And I think the first one was Hahnemann University in Pennsylvania and, you know, was doing well helping people. But I think when they really saw the benefit of antibiotics and that they could really corner the market, that's when they started to literally do marketing and basically say that really this is where medicine should be and all that other stuff turned into quackery and weird things. Mm-hmm. And that's where the stigma, I believe, where you see someone who's holistic, they're a quack, you know, which is absurd because if you again think back in history, what did we use since the beginning of time? So mm-hmm. that is my understanding. And I do feel that now, 
you know, I think the conventional medical model is a little bit more open to natural therapies than from when I started 16 years ago. Um, you know, back then, again, people did not understand, you know, what I did. It was weird. It was hokey. Like they thought I'd be like in a back alley and, you know, but, you know, all these like weird and like oh, beautiful office. And but, you know, now I think it's become more accepted. And I think a lot of people are looking out for natural therapies because, you know, I think where we are is that, in my opinion, the conventional medical world, you know, the doctors are phenomenal diagnosticians. You know, if you get, you know, you know, if you need surgery or if you need, you know, you got hit by a truck, you know, you go to that conventional route. But I think it's really in the world of chronic diseases where I feel the conventional medical model is failing us as a, as a population because, you know, it's either just suppressing things with medication rather than truly healing people and educating people that they can be empowered in their healthcare, that they can make decisions about like, oh, what foods I eat or how I sleep or what vitamins I take will really give me a great immune system and, you know, or make me de-stressed or lose weight or any of those things. So I still feel you know, even though there are more people aware, there's still a lot of education that needs to happen so that ultimately, like I said before, it's not just about conventional medicine or natural medicine. It's just medicine and that people can really see who they want, you know, for their healthcare, because ultimately I do believe we're all our own best physician internally. Absolutely. Oh, and we're going to get into all of that in a bit, but I do want to ask you what your reasoning or personal opinion is on why as a society we're conditioned to Western medicine or conditioned to gravitate towards Western medicine, specifically the prescription or medication route instead of holistic healing? Well, I mean, I think it starts from when you're little. I mean, I do, I do think that, you know, when you're a new mom and your baby's not okay and you take your kid to the pediatrician, you know, the first response is, oh, give them Tylenol. Or it's, it's always like, I have this wrong, give this drug. So from a very young age, like even moms or dads will say, oh, you have a fever, let me give you Tylenol. Oh, you have a tummy ache, let me give you this medicine. It's always like, it's always like well, I need to get rid of this thing. So let me- What do I do to get rid of it? What yeah. do I do? And it's gotta be fast. You know, because again, I understand as being a parent, you know, when you don't know what's happening with your baby, it's a little scary. So I do think that's why we're initially conditioned. It's always this, like from childhood, you're like, well, I have a headache, I take Tylenol. I have, you know what I mean? It's always this back and forth thing. Um, but I know for myself and for my daughter, you know, I, I've taught her since birth that not to be afraid of her body when it's sick. It's a way of her immune system and her body to clear out that she should feel, even though she doesn't feel good, it's just a way of her body to, to cleanse or help fight the bacteria. And we can give her then supportive things to help do that. So whether I give her, let's say, you know, elderberry or any other vitamins to help her immune system, she understands that, yes, she can take things to help herself, but also her body does need time to rest and heal and repair. You know, it's not just about, well, let's just get rid of it. You know, and I think that's also very conventional medical model. Let's just cut it out. And it's like, well, you kind of need that organ. (laughs) It's like it was there for a reason, (laughs) you know? Yeah. You know, obviously if it's, unless it's like cancerous and severely diseased, but you know what I mean? Of course. So So over time, you know, we, we adopt these kind of habits or mentality when we're so young. How do you see this come into play when we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s in our approach to healing ourselves? 
Well, I think, you know, as you know, when you're, especially in your twenties and you're really trying to discover, you know, who you are and who you want to be and, and, you know, what you want to contribute, you know, your time here on earth and figuring yourself out, you know, you get, you do get these experiences and whether you do have imbalances in your health, you know, I think that's when you start making sense, you know, I really don't feel good. And I really don't like when I, every, I have to take this migraine medicine or whatnot. So that's when I think everyone, you know, starts opening up when their body isn't well, and it's the time for them to look inward to see where that disease or an imbalance is. And that's usually when they start exploring. And, you know, of course, I get patients when either then they're really sick, and they, you know, and the conventional is either not helping them or the drugs that they have to take because of that is also making them sick. That's also when I get, you know, a population of people, you know, that come into my practice. It's just, I would say it's, it's, it is growing, but like now I do get some patients who totally get preventative care and they're like, you know what, it's better for me to be proactive than reactive. And I'm going to really do things to take care of my body. So I'm going to see a doctor like you. And I love those guys. Cause and especially I love seeing like the, the teenage, like kids, like they're like 11, 12 years old. Cause I'd be like, you're going to be like superpower. Yeah. <laughs> you know this now. I wish I knew this at 11 years old. It, I, I feel so fortunate. I grew up with a dad who's a board certified yeah. clinical nutritionist. And he, right. of course, like when I was younger and I would have headaches or certain aches or pains, I, I, I did take Tylenol. I did take Motrin. I did take ibuprofen, but there were also equal, if not more times where if I wasn't feeling well, I took elderberry. I took echinacea. Sure. Um, if I had a stomach ache, I had, um, uh, or fennel or yeah. Yep. All of it. And so now being in my 20s, if I do ever have any sort of ailments or aches or pains, I know exactly what to do or what to take to get myself there before even exploring the route of a doctor. And knock on wood, I haven't seen a doctor in years. Right. And, years. Then, you, know, and you know, and here's the thing. See, I want to make two points on that. You know, the first point is, is that you really got to know your body. You understood your body rather than being afraid of it. You know, because when things are off, most times people get stressed, like, oh my God, I'm not okay. Yeah. You know, and you get this heightened anxiety response rather than, you know what, let me take a step back. And that's the ultimate of self-honoring of like, what do I need? Is it a Tylenol? Okay, great. You know, or, you know, is it feverfew or magnesium or something else? Wonderful. But you know, you really start honing in on what your body needs and that is which is my point of you really being your own best physician. Like that's exactly, you know, where you want to be, because here's the thing, you know, as you do get older, I know your twenties, you don't need to go to a doctor for a long time, but as you get older, such as myself, you know, you do want to be a little bit more proactive. So I have patients that are like, you know, I love seeing you, but I never want to see you again. I want to see you once a year, make sure everything is in check so that we have a whole nother year where you're healthy and good. So then, that's where the whole preventative piece comes in where at some point that would be my advice to you at some point yes yeah <laughs> for the heck of it you should just get some blood work done. of course i actually so i do once a year i get oh, blood work done okay. i i have my dad check my levels and yeah. um and that's how i stay in check but other than that i really don't see a doctor <laughs> it's funny may you never have to go ahead yes it's funny what you're saying before i think the relationship between a doctor and a patient is so funny it's like i love you but i only want to see you once a year and that's it right. <laughs> you know in, in china my understanding when i was in um, medical school and i was doing my master's in acupuncture program 
one of my teachers, and again, I don't know if this is true. This is my history now information. <laughs> but one of the teachers said to me that in China, the doctors stop getting paid when the patient gets sick. It's as if they didn't do their job because they weren't keeping you healthy. So they stopped Whoa. getting paid when you came in. Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Again, do I know if it's true? I don't know, but it was a good story. <laughs> Absolutely a good story. Um, I want to go back to a point that we were talking about earlier um, in the situations where Western medicine is crucial and most definitely the route we should take in certain situations. But how do we know when it is the right time or right situation to go down that path? Well, I mean, my philosophy, I mean, here in, in New York, because I, you know, New York State doesn't recognize my degree, if someone came in and said, you know, listen, I don't feel right, I still would have to send them back to their primary and to basically do the diagnostic workup. So if you really, again, intuitively feel like, you know, and this is like beyond like I have a cold, like you feel like something is not okay. I always say, you know, go to your, your conventional doctor, get a full workup and, you know, and we could then discuss because I'm always about being more of the patients like, you know, health coach, like we're on the same team and I'm like, okay, you know, they want to put you on this drug. Is this the best approach? Do we have other options that we can do? Is it safe to wait to do other options? So I always have those conversations with my patients when something's going on. You know, again, most of my practice, patients have gone the whole conventional route and haven't gotten better or just had had side effects. So that's when they come in. But, you know, either way, I'm still always in communication and saying, you know, you need to go back and get either this imaging or get mm -hmm. this exam because it's still important as even if someone heals that we are, they are progressing in the right way. So for me, you know, I love being collaborative with um, the conventional doctors because again, it should just be about medicine and what's best for the patient. Definitely. Are there specific examples that you have of times that you tried everything with, with a patient and that they should go the Western route? I mean, there are, yeah. like I said, like, there are situations like when you're dealing with someone, like I don't see a lot of cancer care. Like I know the other people in my practice do. Like obviously they're doing mostly conventional and we're supporting you know, the person. And let's say if they're done with their chemo and radiation, that's when we really take over to like heal their body, you know, try to prevent cancer again and like, you know, get their immune system back up and whatnot, you know, and then, you know, with auto, I've had patients where, you know, let's say with autoimmune disease, they'll come in and, you know, again, they've gone the conventional route. They don't, they don't like the side effects of the medication. They'll start doing what I recommend, you know, which could be, you know, whether it's dietary re recommendations or supplements or whatnot. And then what happens is that, um, people can fall off or they feel like it's too much work for them to do. Um, and then the immune system really flares really hard again. And I'll be like, no, now you have to go back. Uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> back on that because we need to, again, calm the body back down. So there, there have been a couple of situations, but if I have to say for the most part, knock on wood, people have been very compliant and have done extremely well. So I, I've had very rare situations um, in those cases. Hmm. But overall, you would say that, you know, for someone who's trying to self-diagnose themselves, if it's something that's beyond just a co like something common or well, a typical a fan of self-diagnosis because Dr. Google is a disaster, you know, yes. because I think everything leads to a brain tumor. So, <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, so I do think, 
you know, seeing someone initially and not having you play doctor is important, whether you see a naturopath or your conventional doctor. And then you could again decide for yourself, okay, knowing that I have X, Y, and Z, what is the best road for me? Got it. Got it. How can we overall empower ourselves to become our own healer? So we can start looking at the body with a sense of confidence instead of fear, where instead of turning to a doctor, when we have these aches or pains, we are understanding ourselves and getting in tune with our bodies. What would the advice be to someone for that? Well, I mean, I think exactly like what you're doing. I mean, it's really about you getting to know yourself and how your body functions. Like we all kind of know what our weak spot is. Like I know, like obviously from my entire life, my gut, you know, where other women may have it hormonally, like menstrual or whatnot, or some women, or some people get migraines or, other inflammatory things. So you, you kind of get to know the, the, like the quirks of what your, your body does, you know, and then, you know, from there, I mean, I'm always a huge fan of meditation and quieting your mind because that's really when the insight comes in, you know, I tell patients prayers when you're asking for something, but meditation is when the answers come back, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's so um, interesting. And so, you know, so I, so when you do quiet yourself and when things aren't right, you can ask yourself the question, what do I need? And that answer will come because you'll definitely get a sense of, okay, yeah, okay. I need to get imaging or I need to get some blood work initially, or, you know what? I really do think I need to change my diet and believe it or not, those insights will come in when you stop and quiet yourself. Because again, I think we as people are very much raised or trained to be fearful of our bodies and this vessel that we have and be afraid when something is not right, but rather than having the understanding that this is the way the body speaks to us when things aren't right. And again, it doesn't have to be things aren't right just physically. It could be emotionally or spiritually or you're hanging out with toxic people. Like that is going to wear on you just like as if you were eating like McDonald's every day. Like if you're with in a toxic relationship and that could be, you know, romantic or not, it's going to play the same negative impact. So I think once you're able to, again, like get in tune with yourself and realize that people are in your life to teach you a lesson, or you have to get rid of this person, you know, you'll start becoming more self-aware. Um, and I think that's really where the empowerment comes in is that when you actually quiet yourself rather than allowing, because since we are animals, our amygdala gets kicked into gear, like, we're afraid, oh my God, we're not okay, you know, but it's like, no, let's take a breath and a moment and reassess. And that's always find people are most successful. That's so interesting. Also, so funny, meditation has come up in every conversation I've had for this podcast. Yeah, I mean, as as I really should, I really do feel like people, I mean, especially with COVID now, I mean, I really do feel like people underestimate their own power and their own strength and their own ability to heal. I mean, especially now, you know, a, a, namely with COVID, I mean, it's so fear-based and, and I get it, you know, and the media just like feeds off of that, you know, that you're going to die, you're going to die. So when you're constantly being fed that you're, and especially with all the drug commercials, forget about even COVID, that you have this and you need this drug. And it's like, you know, it's like I tell people, you're not born when you have an illness with that drug deficiency, 
you know what I mean? But people think, oh, I need that drug. And it's like, well, no, you don't, you know, but once you entune yourself, this is because people can go about and be afraid and they don't know where the answers are coming from. So of course it's fearful, but meditation is that answer. If you want insight from whether you believe in God or the higher powers, but that's where your soul will speak to you is when you can quiet your mind. Am I saying it's easy? No, but if you practice at it, you will get very good at it. Yeah. One question that just came up in my mind, how would you navigate or how, what, what would the advice be for someone who has an illness or any sort of um, disease that is genetic, that they feel like, oh, they're born with, they're stuck with it? Right. It's a good question. So I actually had the conversation with a patient yesterday because um, their five-year-old little daughter has very severe Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. So she thought that, I mean, and not only her, but that you're just subject to your genetic destiny and that's it, which is so not the case because um, there is an emerging field um, called epigenetics. So epi means above the genes. So so you have your set of genes that you're given by your parents, but what most people don't realize is that what controls those genes is what occurs above those genes. So, and interestingly enough, we have over 75% of control of that. So how we eat, how we think, our exercise, our stressors is what determines if those genes get turned on or off. So, you know, I have patients come in that everyone in their family has cancer and they're petrified. And I'm like, no, you are not subject to that. But because, you know, if you realize that you have control of what can turn on these genes, then how empowering is that? I mean, because that you can take whether you know, again, is it 100%? Not always. Do we have all the science? Absolutely not. I mean, this is a new, newer field. Yeah. But I mean, for what we have right now, there are many genes that, um, that we now know of that can be adjusted through nutrition and exercise and supplements. I mean, it's like when you realize that you actually have control, like, again, you feel completely powerful because you're like, you know what? I'm not in this thing, in this body that I have no control of. But no, you completely do. The choices that you make, the people you hang out with, how you sleep, all turn on those genes or not. It's really cool. Absolutely. I know that you have your book, which I've read and still refer to for for so many different things. But top line, within the categories of diet, exercise, sleep, and supplements, what are Dr. Pina's advice or prescription, I guess, for for each of those? You know, it actually is all of it. I hate to say it. I mean, because people like, oh, you have a natural doctor, you know, you must have a natural herb and that would fix everything. You know, I wish I was. And I, I tell many patients, I wish I had like the Harry Potter wand that I could just, you know, ding someone and they are all better. But, you know, it really does when taking care of your body, it really is looking at all those factors. It is looking at, you know, the environment that you live in, like New York is, you know, more toxic. So I recommend, you know, detoxing the body more than I would if someone lived in the middle of the country and, you know, and it's beautiful and, and, you know, less environmental toxins, you know, our soils are very depleted. Even if you're eating organic, you're still not getting the same nutrient density, you know, in a carrot as you did, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So, and, and all those things, you know, besides the environment, how you sleep, you know, how you talk to yourself is vitally important. Again, are you quieting your mind? Are you exercising? We are meant 
as animals to be moving bodies. So it really does take all of those things um, to really create ultimate health. And people will say, well, like, well, that's great. I could be home all day and not work. But that's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not about, you know, not working. It's also, it's just, you know, I do feel like the first place is in the mind and what you tell yourself. So, you know, the power of the mind is everything. So if you know that you, that you can, let's say, put in your schedule, okay, I'm going to work out three days a week. That's my set time to do that. You know, for me, like my schedule is I pray every morning, do a quick meditation, get my daughter up and out for school. I come back, I exercise, and then off I go to work, you know, and then at night after, you know, before I go to sleep, that's when I do a longer meditation, but I've created, you know, it's a bit of discipline, but I've created a schedule that works for me in my life that allows me to do you know, to almost basically look at all those things that I recommend in my book. So, and again, some people are excellent eaters, but they don't exercise. So maybe they need to work on that. And just, again, finding your balance of, you know, what suits you and your body the best. Yeah. What would be your recommendations for like each of those categories, like a certain, whether that's, you know, certain hours of sleep, a certain amount of exercise a week, a particular diet, any supplements. What I do is such individualized care because even when someone, let's say, for example, has a stomach, you know, like acid reflux, sure. they're going to come to that acid reflux. Like if I have five different people, they're going to be five different reasons as to why they have that acid reflux. So that's why in the conventional medical model, well, they'll just give Zantac or give Prilosec or some sort of drug across the board it's not going to help all of those people. You maybe yeah. have one, maybe you have two, but that's, you know, for us, you know, what we do in our practice is so individualized because it's like, what is like, what are your genetics? Like, what are your thoughts? What are your eating habits that bring your body to where it is at this point? So that's why, so that's why I say, that's why I like the book because I do, a little questionnaire in there because then you could decide for yourself, you know what, I am really weak in the sleep department. I'm going to bed way too late. So then you just go to that section and you're like, okay, this is how, these are my recommendations on how you could work on sleep versus, you know, if someone is a non-exerciser or something like that. Yeah. And that's one thing I like about the book too. And off the top of my head, one thing that I remember is for different ways of eating or diets, you kind of presented all all options. You, it was almost from the approach of here's what's out there. Here are my recommendations. Here's what works for me. If this sounds like someone like you, maybe this is for you. Learn about it, read about it, understand it, and then pick what's what right. feels right. The thing, because like you can see, especially with diets. I mean, when you look at longevity studies, you know the best diet for longevity is flat out a Mediterranean diet. Just that's just what it is. Which is, again, it's a very whole foods, complete diet, you know, but then there are some people that, you know, really would benefit from a keto diet or paleo diet or just um, whatever, just doing an elimination, you know, there's all these different, or just the Mediterranean, like, so like, it's, that's what I'm saying before. It really does have to suit what your body needs because I've have, you know, ultra marathoners who are like, okay, I'm vegan. And I'm like, and they feel terrible, but yet they're an ultra marathon. I'm like, well, this is why you feel terrible because you, you're running on few, you know, it's like, you really do want to tailor it, you know, to what your body needs or like, or if you have cholesterol, you know, like, so that's where, what we do when you work with a naturopath is that it really be like, okay, this is who you are. This is what you like to do. This is how, this is the, I think the diet that best supports that. I love that. 
quickly touching upon supplements. I know that it is, we could probably talk about this for hours and it's a very, very, very broad topic, but for someone in who's young in their twenties, healthy overall, are there specific vitamins or supplements, minerals that you would recommend? Yeah. I mean, I do think, I always say every human being needs a good multivitamin, needs a good essential fatty acid, needs vitamin D and a probiotic. So those are my basic essentials. I mean, I, I mentioned the multivitamin because like I said before, with the soils, we're just not getting the same nutrition in. And then of course, with, um, stress, we go through vitamins like water, you know, we go through vitamins very quickly. So I do think a uh, multi is essential. Um, and I think starting your twenties is a great time for that. Um, I love essential fatty acids because they're anti-inflammatory. It's great for the brain. Um, and most of us in this culture don't eat enough, um, essential fats. So it's important for cancer prevention, for, you know, brain and heart health. Um, so I always recommend that vitamin D is vitally important again for, you know, mood stabilization, for bone density, for immune system health, especially now with COVID, you know, extremely like all the studies that are coming out with COVID, um, not all of them, but most of the, a lot of them, you know, have say that people who have vitamin, higher vitamin D status do either don't get COVID or do really well. So that is a basic nutrient. And then a probiotic and people um, really underestimate probiotics because again, we're not a culture that eats a lot of fermented foods. And there's tons and tons of studies on the health benefits of probiotics, not just for gut health, but cardiovascular health, for immune health. So, uh, so those are my essential ones. And, and I even give that to the little kids <laughs> going all the way up. Yeah. What would you say to someone who maybe is listening to this right now and is saying, well, Dr. Pina, I eat a great diet. I go outside every day. I get my natural vitamin D. I get my, I eat a lot of fish. So I'm getting my fatty acids and I eat fermented food. So why do I need to take vitamins? I mean, again, do you have to? I'm, I'm definitely not one who forces anything upon Of anyone. course. But I mean, I do think still with stress and the environmental burdens and the lack of nutrient densities in the soil, probably my big argument would be on that multivitamin. Um, <laughs> but, you know, obviously until I really saw how much they, cause I do get a lot from patients, like how they eat so healthy. And when then you, when you actually Break sit down, down and nitpick it, it's not so good, you mm -hmm. know? So, um, but, you know, but I do have many people where I'm like, okay, you're doing great in that department. And if you feel like you're eating fermented foods and whatnot, great, then skip the probiotic. It's, you know, it's not, mandatory, but I think for the average person who eats a standard American diet, those are a must. And like we said before, the best way to really understand what your body needs is getting a blood test and checking those levels. 100%. You could definitely do that. You could definitely do blood tests of nutrient status. Um, but mm -hmm. even still, like, you know, I think a basic multi at minimum, um, and also with the D, I mean, again, people think you go outside, but there's so much pollution that you're really not getting in. And interestingly, um, when you look at your own genetics, like even though I'm Sicilian, I genetically don't absorb in vitamin D, so I don't metabolize it well. So for oh. me, even though I love the sun, I could sit in the sun, my vitamin D status will always, and like I will live outside, will always be ridiculously low. So I have to supplement, because once I looked into my genetics, I realized, oh, I have this, 
what's called a SNP, this little deficiency, that I actually do require, you know, five to 10,000 IUs of vitamin D. And that brought my blood values to a normal range. And that I felt a big difference in my immune system just by doing that. So yeah, so in theory, our behaviors, but then you also have to think about the world that you're living in too. In terms of resources for someone who maybe wants to learn more about Eastern versus Western medicine, or just about holistic practices too, are there any books, websites, resources that you would guide them to? I mean, I always, I mean, I always like to promote my profession. So if someone's looking for a doctor like me, um, you know, you could always go to our national data, uh, national website for any naturopath is um, www.naturopathic.org. And you could, you could um, do a z- search by zip code to find a doctor nearby you. You know, for us, you know, my practice is Intersource Natural Health, and we have a website. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and we, we do try to put out, not too often, <laughs> newsletters of really just good information that we're always trying to put some, and you know, that's a great thing about seeing a naturopath. We're very science-based with our therapies. So we're always trying to put out good information yeah, I mean, there are like, uh, yeah, there are like bazillions of books. Um, but I think if you start with seeing a naturopath, like, and they'll give you their favorites list, yeah. I think that would be a good way to start or just, you know, but not, yeah, again, there's so much online too, but again, you have to vet out like what's true and what's not. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, Dr. Peanut, thank you so, so much for being here today. I am so excited to release this episode because I think that a lot of people have been asking these questions and not knowing how to get the answers. So I'm just so grateful that I had the chance to talk to you and that we could dive deep on this. Thank you. If anyone wants to get in touch with you or find you or, um, or read your book, how, how can they find that? Yeah, they can go to my website at innersourcehealth.com. They'll have my bio, any of the other of my colleagues. Um, We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Oddly, I don't like to do a lot of Twitter, but um, but Innersource does Twitter. But for me, I also, we have the Innersource page. And uh, for myself personally, either Dr. Pina Lojudice, um, that's spelled L-O-G-I-U-D-I-C-E. Um, you can get my book, The Little Book of Healthy Beauty on Amazon. Um, you could also call our office for it. But yeah, that's probably like the easiest way. And um, yeah, but I'm so thrilled and honored to talk about it. As you can tell, I, I, I could talk about it for hours, but I'm just so thrilled that you're putting it out there. And so thank you so much for having me on.